Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Hey, good morning, friends. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brenna Rubio, and I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, where we do our very best to be a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. A special greeting to our Zoom folks. We are just so, so glad that you are here with us this morning, too. I know I had a chance to say hi to some of you online as you were coming in. Um, but yeah, we are one community just gathering in two different settings on any given Sunday morning and, and glad to be doing that together. Hey, I know we have some people where it is your first time here with us at City Church Long Beach this morning here in person, and we are so glad to have you here. I know it just, it often takes a real act of courage to show up uh, at a new place like this, and we're a kind of weird church, a uh, little informal just to prep you in advance. But one thing we do love to make sure, uh, the little thing we can do to help our first-time visitors maybe feel a little bit more comfortable is to let you know where the bathrooms are. Um, so there is one, if you go into the auditorium all the way to the right in the lobby. There's one of you just go up the little stairs there in the auditorium. We also have a couple over here on this corner. And people who've been around a long time know this, but the, the, there's a special trick with the ones here on this corner, which is just that they are deadbolted open. So when you finish what you need to do and you come on out, we do just ask that you deadbolt it open for the person who comes behind you. All the little joys of gathering for worship in an elementary school. Um, it is actually a really, really sweet morning. And so I have two people uh, that I would love to invite to stand here in person and then another person that we're gonna recognize who's here on Zoom this morning. Uh, and so Barbara Sinclair, if you're comfortable standing up or you can just wave and Alex, uh, Alex Alvarado. <laughs> Guys, okay. And then online we have Ava Herrera who is online. And here's the cool thing about these three people, which is that they are going to be baptized after the service today, which is a way of just saying, hey, God has been doing something cool in their lives. They are on this journey towards Jesus, and they want to recognize that there is something special happening here, and God is doing some really great work. And so they are going to be baptized. Uh, and I know some of you are going to come over to Bill's house and be with us and, and participate in that ceremony. It's going to be a hot tub baptism, a city church Long Beach. Uh, first time experience, yes. Sometimes we do it here with a bowl of water and sometimes we go to the beach and this morning it's a, it's a hot tub baptism. Um, but whether or not you guys are there in person to visualize it and, and to participate, we want you to know that you are their community. For Alex and for Barbara and for Ava, you are their community. And so some of us will be there and we'll be representing for you and answering some questions. But the questions are basically going to say, like, are you going to encourage these folks? Are you going to love them well on their journey with Jesus? And so I just want you to know this morning that this is what's happening in your community. And we're going to answer on your behalf that, yeah, this is what we're about. We're going to love these people well and encourage them on their journey with Jesus. So I would love to, I'm going to pray for our kiddos who, you know, after I pray, we'll invite you off to go do some story time and stuff. But a special focus of the prayer this morning is also going to be on those of us uh, in the community who are being baptized today. So we're so, so glad that you are here with us. So would you guys pray with me? God, it is a special morning. Every morning is special, but there's a little bit of extra delight this morning as we think of our friends uh, who for for them this is going to be a special day just a special we need those moments sometimes when uh, our faith and the things that are going on inside of us become things that other people can witness on the outside and and we can even feel 
on our very skin as the water flows over us. God, this sense that you are at work, and we're grateful for that. And as a community, we just want to we just want to tell you that we love these people. We love Barbara. We love Alex. We love Ava. And God, we invite you to continue their work and your work in their lives. And God, we want to be part of it. We're so glad. And God, we think of our, the kids in our midst and how you love them as well. And we see in such a tangible, physical way with them as they change every day. It seems like some kid comes we haven't seen in a month and all of a sudden they're four inches taller, it seems like. God, we love them, and you love them, and we're so grateful. Would you be here with us today? Would we sense your presence in a special way? In your name we pray. Amen. Oh, so, so glad. Kiddos, you can go off. Uh, we are going to have story time and all sorts of fun craft stuff, and here's Bill. Thank you, Brent Rubio. I'm Bill White. I'm the other co-pastor here, and it is super fun to be with you guys today. Uh, we have been in this sermon series um, called Complicated Jesus because real relationships are messy. And uh, if you happen to have a relationship with a God who's invisible, that's messy too, right? It's just kind of awkward. So how do we do this connecting with God and, and what role does Jesus play and we're looking at these different Jesus stories. And so we asked the congregation, hey, what are some of the stories about Jesus that you really like? And we wanted to talk about those. And then what are some of your least favorite Jesus stories? And we wanted to talk about those because we want to recognize like, hey, it, it gets awkward, right? Um, and so today we're doing one of the Jesus stories that some of the people said they liked and some of the people said they didn't like, all right? And this is where Jesus is doing some, some kind of radical teaching, all right? Uh, and, and he's teaching about God blessing those who are on the margins of, of society. And, and there's a sense in which it makes us uncomfortable because it's like, well, if I'm not on the margins, then what does that say about me? You know, and, but then for some of us, it's like, no, this is so great. Like, this is who God truly loves. Like, I love God's heart here, right? And so we're caught in this tension. And so we're going to try to unpack that. Um, and uh, so we brought in a special, uh, you know, the, the secret agent, that, that, that amazing person who's going to really bring it home. So if you would welcome with me Shannon Fernando, who is going to preach with me today. Yes, yes, Shannon. Now, just so you know, so <laughs> secret agent, secret agent. Um, Shannon is a dear friend of mine, and I, Brenda told me to give a little bit of a disclaimer, because some, you know how we like to have different people up on stage? Um, and sometimes when I have a friend of mine up on stage, I give them some, I give them a little crap during the message, and then the normal people are like, oh my God, I am never going to go on stage, because I'm not going to let Bill do that to me. But I want to let you know, I only do it to people that I know really well. <laughs> like so you. Lucky. So lucky. So lucky. <laughs> It is your lucky day, Shannon. Um, yes, I thank you. Yes. Well, and I think so. If anyone does the Enneagram, that's like this personality inventory. I'm an Enneagram 8, which is sort of the, they like to fight. And I think Shannon might be an 8 also. Yeah, so, closeted. <laughs> kind of a she's a like she's like a nice eight, and then there's me. So anyway, I've so embraced it fully yet. <laughs> right. You're not truly embracing it fully yet. Okay. <laughs> Um, so Shannon, why don't you just give a brief intro to these folks, like, 
like, what do you do for a living? How long have you known me? Have you ever been to City Church before? Good morning, everyone. Um, yes, I'm Shannon. Thank you, Bill, for that lovely introduction. <laughs> Secret agent is my middle name. Um, let's see, I have never come to City Church, so this is really exciting. Thank you so much for welcoming me um, and my husband, Ash. And I work with Katie and uh, at Los Angeles Christian Health Centers. So I'm a nurse practitioner and currently really focused on street medicine. So caring for our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness, literally living on the streets. So we take teams out there to care for them. So that's what I do. That's what she does. So um, yeah, we, we think she's pretty great. So, as, so we're gonna enter into this um, well, I, you know, we're just going to start with the reading. So, uh, Alex, where's Alex Alvarado? Come on up, and why don't you read scripture for us today? So, this is Alex, who's getting baptized today. I love that guy. So, and we stand in honor of God and God's word as it is read. Yes. I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're reading uh, Luke six seventeen through twenty one. Uh, he went down with them and stood on the level place. A large crowd of his disciples was, was there, and a great number of people from all over Judah, from Jerusalem, and from those coastal regions around Tahir and uh, Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed from their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and, though, and the people who all tired to touch him became, uh, because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for, your, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who, are hunger, who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. People of God, this is the word of God. You may be seated. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. That was so great. So we're going to look at this simple teaching of Jesus, where he blesses the poor, the hungry, and the weeping. And as we do this, I want to just give a little bit of an orientation. Um, there's a woman named Jude Tiersma Watson who has lived up in, in central Los Angeles for decades. And she's done a little coaching around like, hey, how do we understand how people relate to these forms of suffering? And a lot of it depends on our culture, our class, and on our theology. And so, people here, all of us are going to relate to this teaching of Jesus in different ways. And that's okay. We get to surface some of that. So uh, Jude, she talks about folks, sometimes folks coming from more of a, of a poverty background will accept kind of this, um, kind of have some peace about some of the suffering in their life. And sometimes there's hopelessness. Sometimes folks from a more well-off background will react to difficulties and suffering with anger and with blame. It just depends kind of how you're coming at it. And she talks about different cultures. She's done a lot of research on this, showing that some folks, some cultures have this um, kind of approach of stoicism, this like, hey, uh, this will make me stronger. And and some, particularly some Asian cultures she's found, that's that's that will be an approach. Some folks from, uh, and from her studies around some of the more Hispanic cultures will have this freedom to like 
totally express their sadness around the suffering. And, and it's just, a, it's a very different experience. And then some folks from a more kind of Western, white, European approach, they tend to feel like either personally they have failed or their technology has failed. And that is why they're suffering. And again, you can see some of the connections with these things. And our theology will show a lot also. Sometimes some of us have a theology that, well, God is testing me or God is punishing me. And sometimes there's a theology that says, no, no, God is with me. So as you listen today, just kind of be aware, like, hey, how are you coming at this? What, what's surfacing for you? What are, what are, where do you find yourself reacting and pushing against? Where do you find yourself embracing? Kind of nodding, yeah. Because our journey here isn't to just nail it down, make it nice and clean for everyone, but for us all to take another step on this spiritual path. And frankly, that's why Shannon's here, because uh, I'm not particularly good at teaching on these things. These are not experiences that I'm well versed in. And Shannon, she's got a lot more experience than I do. And so we get to lean in to someone who's, who's spent more time here, done more thinking. So thanks, friend. Um, so Jesus starts off, and he has this line. He says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And when I thought about this passage, I realized, you know, a lot of people like me, we don't necessarily like this verse. There's a, Jesus teaches a similar sermon in the book of Matthew. You know, there are four stories of the life of Jesus in the Bible, right? And this one is in the book of Luke. But Jesus has another teaching that's in a separate book called Matthew. And it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And that's the one I like. Right? Because it's like, it's just, we just should just spiritualize all this, right? And I, I, I'm good at that, right? <laughs> Why are you laughing at me, Shannon? <laughs> because I grew up in, in a culture that said, if you're poor, it's your own fault. You didn't work hard enough. Like, pull yourself up by your, by your bootstraps. This is, this is your fault. This is America, it's the greatest country ever. Anyone can be anything. And that was, that was my culture, but I, I don't know. Jesus himself was poor. So did Jesus just not work hard enough? Jesus was just kind of lazy? Jesus deserved it? I mean, these are the questions that, that go through my mind, and I realize, gosh, I've, I've grown up with some ideas around poverty that probably are not real healthy. And Jesus actually blesses the poor. He, he's reaching out and saying, I see you. God is with you. You have some access 
to the things of God that other people don't. And he's honoring. So, Shannon, tell us a little bit about your work in Los Angeles. So tell us like what you, like, like this week or last week, you know, like what are some of the places you went? Who are some of the pe people you saw? What was it like? And tell us a little bit about your thoughts on whether Jesus blesses the poor or how he does so, or if maybe not, I don't know. You, you tell us your story. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So I, the last two weeks, we've, we do a lot of our work in the Skid Row neighborhood in downtown Los Angeles. So, you know, for those of us who aren't familiar, home to some of the largest, one of the largest concentrations of people experiencing homelessness in our, in our nation, actually. Um, and you know, street medicine is interesting because we are going to where our neighbors, our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness, they live, right? So that's their home, that's their place where they feel comfortable, familiar. And so we have the honor and the privilege of being invited if they say, if they want us to come into their space to be able to care for them wherever they need, whatever they, whatever they want. They, it's about what they want and not about our agenda. Um, and I think for me, you know, doing street medicine, while it's, 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 you know, very exciting and it's, it's great because you get to kind of be in, in the midst of, of, midst of things, it's also exposes you to a lot of trauma, right? And you're experiencing suffering with, right? You're with, you're with people in a different way than if you're, they come in to see us in clinic. Um, so like, what are some of the things you've seen that are, you know, Sure. I, you know, I think seeing people suffering, whether it's medically, uh, emotionally, spiritually, psychiatrically, right? So uh, folks who are struggling with addictions and w wanting to come out of that, but not knowing how and, you know, and, and poverty, not just of physical things, right? Whether that's access to healthcare, um, food or whatever, but also poverty of not knowing how to cope, right? Poverty of not knowing how to uh, regulate, you know, emotions or things like that. And so, um, and so I think this question is interesting, right? About blessed are the poor, are they blessed? And do I see that? You know, do I see that they're blessed when I'm in, when I see them suffering, right? Yeah. And the truth is, you know, I've been doing this work for almost 20 years. I know I look very young. <laughs> um, but I, I came right out of college into Skid Row as a case manager and then have been at LA Christian now for almost 10 years. And, um, and I would say, you know, the answer that I would say is yes, I have seen them as blessed. And I think the reason I say that is because when we are experiencing what it means to be poor, and I say that in quotes because that can, it's a broad definition, I, I would say, there's an intimacy with being vulnerable, right? There's an intimacy with our own brokenness that enables us to receive more, to receive the fullness of what Jesus has for us. And I think sometimes, you know, if we don't, if we're not intimate with our lack, right, we're not intimate with our emptiness or our brokenness, there's a lot of other stuff in there, right, that can take up the space and not enable us to fully receive the kingdom of God. And so I would say my patients have been my teachers in this work. You know, I am not by no means the expert. They are the expert and they have taught me what it means to, in the midst of suffering, the midst of poverty, right, in the midst of being poor, what it means to experience the blessing of God, what it means to receive him in a, in a new way because of that space that's created to receive more. So that's what I would say I've experienced. Thank you. That's 
quite profound. Yeah. Can I just also add? Sorry. What's that? <laughs> I interrupted you. I want to add one more thing. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I love interruptions. It actually makes me. <laughs> he happy. told me it was allowed. So, um, um, one other thing I would just say is, you know, I think, you know, in Christian circles. You, this phrase, the you know, uh, blessed are the poor, they shall receive the kingdom of God, right? Yeah. And I just want to say, like, the kingdom of God is there's no there's no prescription for that. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, like, I think in some for some people, kingdom of God is oh they should they, they should be housed or they should be sober. <laughs> That's the kingdom of God, right? But truly, you know, when you're with people and you're walking along the journey with them, and all of us are on our own journeys, right? The kingdom of God sometimes for my patients is they choose to live another day, right? <laughs> That's the kingdom of God for them, right, right? right? Or they choose to actually not use substances for one day because they're going to try to come out of it just for one day, right? Mm -hmm. But that's them receiving the kingdom of God to me. And so that's really important because I think, especially in Christian circles, some Christian circles, it's just really easy to prescribe, this is how they should receive the kingdom of God. And if it's not, then they're not doing it. You know, <laughs> they're, they're not receiving it. But there's, that's, I, in my experience, that's not true, mm -hmm. right? And I think I, my patients have taught me what it means to receive the kingdom of God, right? And there's so many ways to do that. Yeah. And that's been really powerful for me. Well, so actually in this passage, right, it talks about Jesus is healing all these people and casting out demons. Like he's, he's relating to this huge crowd, right? That's what Alex read. And then it, it literally says, looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are the poor. Because he realized we actually needed to hear this. Right? Th those of us, the good religious people, right, the ones who would, who would judge the ones who would not recognize the blessing, who would not recognize just the shared humanity and the intimacy that comes with accessing that, allowing others to teach you. Oh, so good. Um, so let's, let's talk about blessed are you who are hungry. So that's the next verse, verse 21, for you will be satisfied. Um, blessed are the hungry, for you will be satisfied. One of the interesting things here is that Jesus gave people actual food, right? There's the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. There, there's all these, you see Jesus all the time hanging out at tables, and you see him providing people what they actually need. And sure, in, in the other verse, he talks about those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, and I like that one better. It's a little bit more comfortable for me. But Jesus is actually talking about those who are hungry, those facing food insecurity. And some of us have that experience. And Jesus is saying, I see you. I bless you. And back at, at the beginning of Jesus' story when when his, his mother, Mary, receives this message that, that the Messiah is coming through her, through her womb, she rejoices and she says, God, you are tearing down the proud rulers and you're raising up the hungry poor. That was her line. So again, I thought I'd talk with Shannon here. Uh, Shannon, you've spent some time with folks who are literally hungry and literally thirsty. 
Um, and you started a little organization that uh, does some of that work. What's the name of your organization again? Alabaster. Are you talking oh, to my, my, Tell these people. <laughs> so Alabaster International. Alabaster International. So you, it wasn't enough just to hang out on the streets of LA. You had to like take it international. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> now she's a little bit embarrassed. I love that. It makes me happy. Yes, that you, she take it international. So she takes us international. Tell us what do you what do you do? What is Alabaster? Where have you seen the hungry and the thirsty? Uh, and what that what's that been like for you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Alabaster. We go to we currently do projects in Kenya. So very privileged to be able to do work in East Africa and. Uh, we've been taking teams out there for about 10 years uh, doing work and we actually go to sort of the most remote villages in the region to bring healthcare is our number one thing but also um, other services whatever they need um, in the communities that we serve like water yes like we've seen that big huge water tank water tank you, yes we how built many a gallons water tank, does it hold uh 10,000 liters i don't know 10,000 liters how that what that's, that translates in western it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot yeah <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, and so I would say absolutely, you know, and this this topic in, in particular is really personal for me because, you know, East Africa right now, actually a lot of parts of the world, but especially East Africa is experiencing a massive drought and experiencing a lot of very acute food insecurity right now. And so um, we definitely see a lot of, especially ch young children who are malnourished and who are not getting enough food, literally enough food and water uh, in the community. And so... This is particularly, you know, re resonates with me as I've been thinking about our, we're about to leave in two weeks to go to our, on our next trip and thinking about how, what, what God is saying or what Jesus is doing right now. On yeah. your next trip to Cancun? Kenya. Oh, Kenya, that's right. <laughs> this is where Shannon takes her vacations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, we've been one one village in particular that we work in is called Endonio Lasho. And it's, you know, six to eight hours away from this Nairobi. It's, you know, no no roads to get there. You see giraffe and zebras on the way. It's really awesome. Um, but when you get there, you we meet this amazing Maasai community that we've been serving for the last 10 years. And yes, we built a water tank and a clinic and a library and um, now a maternity wing, and so really excited to to be there, but also very aware of the need and what they're going through as a community right now. Yeah, so my wife and daughter, so Katie and Karis, actually spent a couple of weeks with Shannon and her team a few years ago uh, and in Indonio Lasho and had a remarkable experience, uh, changed their lives. So very grateful for you. So how do you see, like, do you see the hungry satisfied? I mean, is that, what do you do with that? Yeah, so I kind of wanted to, to answer this with a with a story. That, that's okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so actually, a few years ago, when we were in Antonio Lasho, um, there's a school there. You know, in addition to the clinic and all the stuff, but the the foundation of the community is this school. It's just some tin classrooms, iron sheets. You know, um, but they do a lot of amazing work there. And there's these three brothers that were coming to the school and I, they would always get there a few minutes late. And in Kenyan culture, that's not okay. You come to school on time, no matter what. Um, and so I, I asked the teachers, I said, hey, why are they coming? Why are they, why, why are they late? Every, you know, every time I see them, they're late. And they were coming from Tanzania. <laughs> so this, this community actually is on the border um, of Kenya and Tanzania, but they would walk eight hours every day. To, Monday through Friday to come to school one way 
right? So three brothers, they were probably eight, nine, ten years old, coming, walking. And so we asked them, so we said, why do you do it? Right? Why, why, do you, why do you walk this far one way as young brothers to come to school? And they said, the first thing they said is because there's a meal program at the school, right? They had, that was their only source of food for the day. One meal a day, they would come to school to get their meal. And the second reason was because they wanted to read. They wanted to learn how to read. They wanted to have an education. And they, there was not any, there was no real school around their area that they, that they, where they lived. And to me, you know, this demonstrates two things, right? I think it demonstrates blessed are the hungry because their hunger, literal hunger, but also their hunger for education, right? compel them to make this treacherous journey. Actually, one of their brothers died on the way from an elephant attack. And so they've literally been through tragedy for, to, to satisfy their hunger, right? For hunger for education, hunger for food, right? Hunger for more, right? For more. And, and so I think for me, what I've learned from my friends in Kenya and from these, from these three brothers, one may he rest in peace, is, is you know, when, when we're hungry, our, our heart is somehow softened, right? Like, you know, y'all know when you're hungry, like you can get hangry, right? Y'all know, right? And <laughs> so you can get hangry and you can go to that place or you can become a little vulnerable, right? And you become, you, know, you, get, a, you get a little bit more in touch with your bodily needs, right? And, you're, and that just softens us, I think. And what I've seen with my friends in Kenya is that their hearts are soft, right? Their hunger, their hunger for more, their hunger for literal food or for something more in their lives has softened their hearts and they approach everything with a place of gratitude, right? And so for them, the blessedness in their hunger is a gratitude that comes from even a little bit of satisfaction, right? And so sometimes the, their satisfaction is not three meals a day, sometimes it's only one, right? But even that brings them closer to a satisfaction, that is profound. Thank you so much. Um, so the the third thing Jesus says here, and and this sermon goes on and on. Like I'm just we're just looking at the first three lines. So go home, read Luke chapter six, and you'll just be like, whoa. But this is this is the stuff he's, he, Jesus is talking about. The stuff that really matters. It's real life. He goes on and he says this. He says, "Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh." Jesus recognizes that there's a lot of grief in our world, in our personal world, in our big world. And Jesus is going to bless those who take time to weep. Uh, it's, it can be really hard work for some of us who aren't very good at this, like myself. Um, so my therapist actually is a grief specialist. I didn't know that when, when I started going to him seven years ago. Uh, he was just the therapist that was recommended to me. And so we, but we've spent a lot of time talking about why I don't cry, you know, and how I'm so self-sufficient. And it's been a, a gift. I actually, uh, I told him recently, I said, I said, Keith, I cried twice this week. <laughs> And he was so excited. And yet he also said, you know, I just want to remind you, the goal isn't to cry. The goal is to be human. <laughs> right? And, you know, that's good. We, you know, that, for you, that's been an issue, right? Is that you don't allow yourself your humanity. Um, and it's, that's an invitation to be more in touch. And 
and actually, in some ways, the more grief you experience, the more capacity you have for joy as well as one of the things that, that he talks about. But uh, so Jesus is leading. I mean, he's just, these are his first three lines in his biggest sermon in the Gospel of Luke. I mean, he's just, he's just killing us. And yet you realize, oh, this is what Jesus is all about. This is Jesus's heart. So, Shannon, tell us a little bit. Um, with all the work you've done in the streets of L.A. and Kenya, um, I assume you've seen some people who weep. Um, what do you do with that? Um, do you see some blessing? Do you see some laughter? Definitely have wept. <laughs> Definitely have seen weeping. Um, have you wept on so. the streets with people? Absolutely. Not above it. <laughs> um, yeah. And I would say there is a profound blessing in weeping with, right? So it's part of what it means to be with, right? Um, and so, you know, a lot of times in, in, in medicine, you're like, don't get too close because, you know, <laughs> but I think honestly, like when you're amongst people who are suffering and, and you see them weeping and you see them in pain, I mean, there's nothing more profound than being able to be human, right, and to be in touch with what I'm feeling and what are my humanity is, 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 is seeking in that moment and to weep with. And so, yes, there's been a lot of weeping, both in Kenya both, and in, you know, on Skid Row with my patients there and with the community in, in Kenya. You know, when, when that young boy passed, there was weeping, right, um, from the elephant um, attack. And so, yeah, I mean, I would say there is definitely a blessedness in the weeping because I think it fuels us to, to experience joy that's not circumstantial, right? That's not based in what we have or what maybe even is happening around us, but it's based in something deeper than that. And I, I would say weeping has allowed me to ask for more, ask for joy that comes not, again, from things being okay, right? Things being cleaned up or things being in a bow tie, but from experiencing Jesus coming into my life. And so... Yeah, so I would say weeping is powerful for that reason. And, you know, joy is not the immediate thing, especially if you, when you do the work that we do, KDI and others. You know, oftentimes anger, it's frustration, it's loneliness, it's isolation. You know, being a healthcare provider in the pandemic and people not believing certain things, and you're like, hello, um, I, have the, I have some knowledge about it. <laughs> and people still not, you know, believing in certain things, whatever, right? Like, it's just there's been a lot of hard things that have happened, in, especially in the last two and a half years. And I would say... Joy is not the immediate thing, right? <laughs> but I would say in the weeping, right, and in that, in going deep into that, there is joy that's there. And, and, and I experienced that through Jesus. And so, yeah. And do you have a final word for us? Or like, like your free shot now. I won't interrupt. Wow. Uh, <laughs> just this once. But no, I mean, any kind of closing word that you might have yeah. for us. Um, so I thought I would get a little personal. That's okay. It's okay here at City Church. I've, I've heard that's okay. Um, um, so I, I just wanted to share, I mean, I think for me personally, this particular verse about blessed are those who are weep has been very real for me. Um, you know, at the beginning of this year, my husband and I really just came to the reality um, that we're probably not going to be biological parents. So, you know, series of tests and all those fun things that lead to diagnoses and, and realities that... I would not be able to get pregnant and have a biological child. Um, and you know, that's a lot of weeping there. <laughs> and you know, as a woman, as a South Asian woman, for those who understand what it's like culturally, like I'm supposed to bring the children, <laughs> that's my job. Um, 
And so I went on this journey. You know, we've been trying to have a family since 2017. And so when we came to this realization a few months ago, it's kind of a long journey of ending. Um, and I will say I've experienced being poor, <laughs> right? Poor in spirit, poor in other ways. I've experienced being hungry, right? Wanting, wanting desperately to have a child. Um, and I've experienced weeping. Yeah, so that's been very personal for me. And I just want to share like the bridge between hope, you know, ho hopelessness and hope, the bridge between being poor and being satisfied, being experiencing the kingdom of God, all of it, the bridge to that is Jesus. That's it. And that has been my experience, right? Because there's nothing else. As a woman, whatever, you know, infertility, barrenness, whatever the term, term is, for me, that bridge between being able to move on to another day and believe in Jesus still, that he's still good, that he doesn't withhold good things, it comes from experiencing him, him in my life, right? And him being the comfort and him, him coming in and saying, I still see you and you're not defective and there's still hope for you, yeah? So, you know, and so for me, I have a new empathy for my patients who feel defective, who feel messed up, who feel like failures. I have a new hope for them. And I'm so grateful because now, all these years later, I can confidently say I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be a woman that can't have children biologically because Jesus has something else and it's okay. So I just wanted to share that with you guys because... You know, I'm forever thankful to Jesus for this journey that I've been on. And yes, it's not the most clean and awesome and pat and awesome and, you know, and blessed in the terms of whatever, but it has been the profound joy of my life to experience Jesus coming into those places and rescuing me and being there with me. So, to end with that. Thank you, Shannon.